Hey sickos, I'm LJ. And I'm Tao. And this is Say Psycho Right Now. Say Psycho Right Now is a true crime and paranormal podcast. Some content may be considered disturbing or graphic. This podcast also contains adult language. Listener discretion is advised. To access our socials or become a Patreon member with access to early episodes and bonus content, find us on any social media platform and consult the link tree in our bio or go to www.patreon.com slash psycho right now. You can also follow us on our socials or wherever you stream your podcasts and leave a five-star review if you're enjoying our content so we can continue to reach more people. This is a great free way to support your favorite content creators. Case suggestions or stories to share can also be sent to saypsychorightnow at gmail.com. Now let's get into today's episode. Yay! was thinking last night about what I'm gonna say and this and that and now I just feel like Prince Kuzco I'm like threw off the groove <laughs> not the Kuzco I just feel like this is the episode opener at this point guys this morning has been an unprecedented shit show okay so with my previous job I basically was fired. We're going to say fired because I fully intend to sue. They basically ran me out the door for being hospitalized due to pregnancy, right? So I had to get a new job. By fired, she means she basically said, yeah, I can't do what you're asking me. And they said, okay, accept your resignation. (laughs) Yeah, because I asked for reasonable accommodations. And they were like, "Mm, no. Yeah. So anyway had to get a new job job great love that for me except my new job respectfully I guess doesn't know how to use their words because the I wake up to two things this morning right thing one that I wake up to is an email no not an email is four voicemails from my attorney for something else related to my husband's passing saying, you know, hey, I don't know if you knew, 
but you needed to be on a Zoom call at 9.30. It's 9.45. Like, I needed to be, like, in front of a judge. I'm like, I didn't know this on account of nobody told me. <laughs> so... <laughs> Anyway, and then there's, like, a, evidently, like, a time difference between, and so it's, like, I do have to get on this call because it's, like, court-ordered I'd be on the call, and I need to be on there in, like, 45 minutes. It's messing up our recording schedule, and then, and then, and then I'm, like, okay, well, this is, I go to, like, just peep in my email, and my email has... Uh, a subject line for my new employer that says job offer rescind and my heart falls out of my butt because I'm thinking I just got this job what could I possibly have done to get fired like I have a clean background they haven't drug tested me but if they did I would pass I'm squeaky clean like what what is going on and then I open it I open the email and it's like congratulations, we've received all your onboarding paperwork and they're so, so happy to have you. I'm like, I don't think you know what rescind means. Duh. Oh my God. And so, yeah. And, and I'm like, I was telling Toe, today's episode is on my personal experience spending two years in the cult. I was up until 3 a.m. last night with a migraine and just thinking about, you know, how do I want to say this? How do I want to go about this? I didn't want to outline it because I wanted it to be like organic, right? And yeah. I just wanted to like naturally kind of take you guys with me. And I was like, what would I say? What would I do? And then <laughs> I felt like I was so equipped. And then now I'm like, Prince Cusco, you throwing off my groove. <laughs> what groove. is going on? <laughs> oh, God. So, speaking of the groove, I bet that two years you spent in that cult really threw off your groove. Uh, yeah, it sure did, actually. It was a blocking shit show for several years after that. But we're going to kind of take you guys on that journey today. And um, I just want to preface this with, you know, a lot of people hear this story and they think... Let's blame the parents. Let's blame the family. They had to have known. They had to... No. We're not doing that here. Okay? I'm just going to let you guys know that right up front. It Also, if this is a situation where, you know, you came here for, like, the family tea, I guess, you know? This isn't dump on my parent fest. This isn't, like, a dump on my family fest. These places, cults, troubled teen institutions in general, right? They mm -hmm. are equipped to brainwash, okay? And the, the parents, the families that are involved in sending you away, they are manipulated very heavily to believe that if they don't send you to this place... And then later, if they don't leave you here longer, that you will die. And that is an easy selling point when you think that you're sending off a suicidal kid for inpatient therapy, right? Right. That, that's an easy sell, okay? And also, and I these didn't... parents are being charged a lot of money. 
Yeah, about three hundred dollars yeah. a day is what my parents paid with obviously excellent intentions. Parents don't pay three hundred dollars a day because they hate you as a general rule. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if they're paying three hundred dollars a day under the guise that you're going to be receiving excellent and attentive inpatient care, they think that we're getting equine therapy and animal therapy and a good you know christian environment and the list goes on and on what they think we're getting versus the wish version (laughs) that, that we got you know so definitely like they had good intentions and also like you know you don't end up in a position where your parents are and this is not a blanket statement this is just my personal experience with the vast majority of cases that I saw, right? Okay. Right. But the better majority of kids who are sent to places like this aren't sent to places like this for no reason, okay? There's a certain level of desperation that the parents are at. For me, well, I guess let's back that up just a second. So... Other people who were at the facility, right? Mm-hmm. Some some common reasons that I saw girls there. And mind you, the part of the facility where I was at, I never saw a girl older than, and this is me guesstimating, but I'm pretty confident about this number, 23, okay? Mm-hmm. And we'll get into the ages a bit later. But I saw girls that were there dealing with traumas from and we're we're not going to get into whether or not you think abortions are good right okay Mm -hmm. because the fact of the matter is that abortions are traumatic can be traumatic mentally and physically you know and especially when young girls are getting them 15, 16, you know, on drugs, whatever. I saw a lot of girls who were there for trauma related to, you know, multiple abortions. I saw girls who were there for heavy drug use. I mean, we're not talking, I mean, some some of the time we're talking weed, you know, which is like, I think kind of parents overreacting to regular teen stuff out of too much concern, you know, but yeah. But, I mean, we're also talking about girls who were literally there for meth, for heroin. Things that this facility really wasn't equipped to handle, but certainly required drastic intervention, right? Right. Girls who were there for severe trauma response related to adoption and just, like, maladjustment to adoption. And, again, this is not an, is adoption good or is adoption bad? We're not here to debate whether or not Susie up the road deserved to be adopted, okay? Like, no. But the fact of the matter is that adoption comes with its own trauma for a lot of people. Not for everyone. Not for everyone, okay? You with your positive adoption experience, I see you and I love you. But for some people, and for a lot of people, truly... It right. can be it can be its own trauma. I think it can so, be its own trauma even 
sorry, not to interject, but I, from what I've heard from friends and people in within our circle that are adoptees, it can be a good experience and still be traumatic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I've talked to that, you know, that's the thing is, I mean, I've met probably like disproportionately more adopted people than the average person just because of the type of facility that I went to. And I know that because of that, the pool of people that I'm talking about is already like, I don't want to say skewed, you know what I mean? But we're already talking about people who are there for trauma related to adoption. So obviously for them, it was traumatic, but right. you know, the general opinion that I've gotten from most people that I've spoken to who have dealt with adoption personally is that even if the experience was positive for them, there is some amount of trauma in, you know, just not knowing your birth parents, et cetera. And, you know, again, not, not deep diving that rabbit hole because I'm not adopted and it's really not my place, but I'm just listing off some of the reasons why people might end up there. There were, you know, people who survived suicide attempts and their families like last resort at keeping them safe was sending them to a place like this when they were recovered and stable enough to move, things like that. And then for me, what this looked like was severe debilitating depression. Not just like, oh, she's a little down. Like, I mean, every night was a battle to not KMS, you know. I had trichotillomania from anxiety, which is a condition where I like pulled my eyebrows and eyelashes out from just anxiety in general. So I had like no eyebrows, no eyelashes, was severely depressed. I was bullied at school. And then, you know, because I was bullied at school so severely, I would come home angry. And then I was a nightmare to my siblings and my parents because that's how things trickle. You know, when you're being bullied all day as a child and you come home to, you know, the quote unquote safe place, you lash out. And then, you know, because I was that way, you know, my older sister especially just didn't treat me well at home either. Not that, I mean, to be fair, I think that some of that was before I deserved to not be treated well, you know, because I wasn't like, starting shit at home yet and again I don't want to like shit on family members and stuff that's not my goal here but I will say that you know my my personal experience and my perception of things is that I had bullies at school and then I came home and my older sibling was kind of my my first bully as well you know yeah. And I mean, we're not going to sit and ferment in that or whatever. But, you know, I mean, it it was definitely something where I had a hard time at school and then I came home and I had a hard time at home as well. And we got to the point where I 
begged my parents and I can see their logic now as as a nearly 30 something mother with two children of my own who has dealt with school systems. I remember at one point begging I wanted to go to public school instead of private school. I thought that would solve everything. And my parents are like, you know, you're getting bullied at a private Catholic school. Public school is going to eat you alive. And it would have, <laughs> you know, it would have. And the other thing, once that, because they vetoed public school so quickly, the next thing was, you know, please, can I go to boarding school? Please, like anything. Like, I just, I need something different. Like, I can't do this. I was just so depressed. I saw like no light at the end of the tunnel and I didn't know that sending me to boarding school is something that they would legitimately ever consider mm-hmm. because they never seemed to, when I would bring it up, they never seemed to acknowledge it as actually being a viable option right I mean it was never like oh we'll we'll think about it like I don't really remember how they responded to it but I just remember not getting the impression that it would actually happen like I wanted something different but even though I was suggesting it I just didn't think that they would do it you know what I mean it was Mm -hmm. never something where we had a sit-down conversation that was like okay like you want to go to boarding school let's look at some school that never happened you know so I just didn't see it legitimately coming. Now, it is summer of 2010, July, and it's my birth month. And I'm supposed to turn 16 on the 20th of July. And it's about two weeks prior to this. One of the, one of the reasons why I was bullied at school which I only laugh in hindsight because this is so stupid. This is like such a Catholic school reason to get bullied in 2010. I had gotten like a pixie cut, right? Mm -hmm. And when I tell you I was shoved into lockers, I was called a dyke and told to kill myself. (laughs) Like, I mean, because I got a pixie cut of all the things. Yeah, so yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, see, that's where I disagree with the take that public school would have eaten you alive because that is some Catholic school brat shit and nobody in public school would have done that. Yeah, that that's actually probably a fair assessment too. I think the other thing though was like, you know, I had no eyebrows, no eyelashes. Not that that's like a viable reason to bully a child. I just right. think that I was all around a super easy target right (laughs) you know yeah in summary (laughs) like there were 101 reasons to bully me honestly and then the pixie cut was just the private school reason too so whatever I had made up my mind that I was gonna grow out my hair that was like summer get myself right for the next year goal number one right I don't know how much I thought my hair was going to but and not enough evidently because come July my parents were like no we're taking you to get a haircut I mean I pitched a fit because I didn't want the haircut right like I didn't want to keep getting shoved into lockers like I was just so over the whole thing 
but my parents were like, no, you're, you're getting a haircut. And I was like, this is so context is everything. Right. Because come to find out later at this place, they didn't let you cut your hair at all. So my parents, a very common plan was that this place would suck you in thinking that you were just sending your kid for the summer program. Right. Mm. But then based on your quote unquote performance on the summer program, they would tell your parents that you actually need the long term program, but they did this to everyone, right? Gotcha. Um and a very small portion of those kids would end up not being roped into the summer program. Like I think I saw maybe three or so girls in my three summers there not get roped in to long term treatment. So my parents, I think, you know, they had good intentions. Do I think this was necessarily handled appropriately? It wasn't that big a deal. It was hair, right? Like, I wouldn't have dragged my kid personally. But, you know, this is also 2010, different times, whatever. So my parents dragged me for the haircut, probably thinking that they were doing me a favor because I wouldn't get a haircut, like, all summer, quote unquote and they didn't want me to like look and feel feral at the new place or whatever but I didn't know any of this was happening or the context or whatever so I was just pissed you know so we go there my hair is re-diked if you will (laughs) and (laughs) then we get home well no then we go to Publix right the grocery store which That was odd for me. I know that some of you guys might be like, what do you mean going to the store was odd for you? I was one of eight kids, okay? We didn't all go to the store. Could you imagine taking eight kids to the store every time? It was usually either my mom, my mom and my dad, or my mom and my older sister because the oldest, that's just how the hierarchy goes in a big family. You know what I mean? Right. So... Uh, this time it was my dad and me, which if you just heard the options that I provided to you, that wasn't even on the list of options. Right. And now my dad also historically, when we go to the store, he's a little bit more of a yes guy, you know, like he might sigh and be like, yeah, I guess. But generally speaking, if we go to the store with our dad and we're like, hey, can we get this snack? It's like, yeah, I guess, like, put it in the cart, whereas my mom's more like, you know, is it on the list? I mean, now it's different. We're all older, and we generally ask for what's reasonable. You know what I mean? Right. my mom, if we were at the store with her for some reason, which still would have been atypical, (laughs) you know, it would have been like, you know, no, we can't get every ice cream we see, you know? Right. Whatever, but my dad, I'm like, can I get this like weird brown rice brand I'm probably not going to eat? And he's like, yeah, I guess. Like, <laughs> like Twix ice cream bars. And I still remember what I asked for that he said yes to, which tells you like how burned into my brain this is for no reason. Cause it's like my last moments, quote unquote, on the outside. Right. Right. And I'm like, can I get these Twix ice cream bars? He's like, yeah, like I guess. <laughs> and so I put them in the car. We go home. And things are weird, right? Because I'm one of eight kids. And when I get home later that evening, everybody is somewhere else. 
my siblings have all gone to sleepovers and I'm the only one home. It's just me, my dad, and my mom. And I'm thinking, what the hell? Because as you guys can imagine, in a house that usually has 10 people, right? To -hmm. go from 10 people to three people, that feels like more than a coincidence, right? Right. It was a very ominous feeling. And I don't remember how exactly the confrontation went. But I remember that I somewhat instigated it, you know, like, why does everybody else get to go out? I don't, whatever. And then it very quickly turned from, like, you know, like, why, I I, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to get into all the details of that because, quite honestly, looking back, right, Some things are more like looking at memories through a kaleidoscope, right? It's like you see a distortion of what happened. So I don't want to misrepresent. But I will say that I remember that something transpired and it wasn't a kind exchange between myself or my parents on either end. And they were kind of holding me accountable for you know, the way I'd been acting, I'd relatively recently snuck a boy into the house as well, which as you can imagine in like a Catholic family, like that's a huge no-no. I mean, that's a no-no for most teens who are doing idiot teen stuff or whatever. But my parents, especially like that was a massive no, you know? So later that night, we parted ways, we went to bed. And I was really at my, like, peak of suicidal ideation. I remember thinking, like, you know, I'm going to, like, try to sleep this off. But if I wake up and, like, I can't sleep this off, like, this is it. Like, I'm ending it tonight type thing is how bad of a place that I was in. And I eventually cried myself to sleep. And... I woke up around 3 a.m. to my mom, my dad, and two strangers in my room. And again, as you can imagine, this is very confusing, like trying to piece together what's happening. And it all happened kind of fast, I guess, or like, but also slow. (laughs) you know it's like I look back on it and it's like it's happening in slow motion but it's like yeah watching something play out like a ball is rolling down a hill that you can't stop but it's going really slow and it's a really big ball and then you know it's coming you know it's headed Mm -hmm. for bikini bottom (laughs) 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 oh god so Bikini Bottom, Wyoming, you know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. And so, I mean, I was on my bed, which was a loft bunk style bed. And my mom, like, handed me pants up there because I was just sleeping in, like, a t-shirt and underwear or whatever. And I put my pants on on my bed while, like, all these people are in my room. It was so weird. And then I got down and... 
they kind of started explaining to me that like I was going to go to this place in Wyoming like because of you know my behavior because of all my issues and this and that and like this place had resources that was going to help me stabilize and get on my feet and I like never get emotional telling this story it's got to be the pregnancy man but anyway I like go to the bathroom and it's the middle of the night you know so they're like you need to like go to the bathroom before we leave like we're gonna be on flights and stuff and I remember them not letting me close the door all the way to use the bathroom and that was the first time where I was like what is going on like I was ready to go willingly and I was so confused like why things were happening the way they were happening you know like right I I would have just gone and they put like a boot thing on my leg you know like if you sprain your arm or some or sprain your arm sprain your sprain your leg or like i break your leg i'm not sure under what circumstances you would yeah, need this like type a, of a boot like a medical boot yeah yeah but it's like kind of weighted too i don't know if that's standard or not because i've never had a break like that but the idea is it's going to slow you down right you're not going right. to be able to just like run off they put one of those on me and i said my goodbyes to my parents sorry this like chokes me up and I don't know why, because it never does. But I guess just as a mom now, you know, it hits different. It's like the old, one of like three times, I guess, because my husband's funeral. But one of very few times in my life that I ever saw my parents cry, you know. And they were doing the best that they knew for me. But God, fam, I'm sorry. This is like harder than I thought it was gonna be today. Oh, I'm never like this. This is a fucking pregnancy hormones. There they are, feelings. God, I hate myself. I'm never a little bitch for this. Oh, okay. There they are. Oh, okay. Alright. We're putting on our big girl pants. This is not happening i'm not doing feelings why is this happening okay it's absolutely right you don't do a feeling feeling. we're not editing this out either this is just me getting my shit together sorry guys i don't know where this came from i'm never like i've literally like gone to universities and talked about my experience start to finish i've gone on podcasts or whatever talked about my experience at like rallies and conventions and stuff i'm like i don't know where this is coming from it's for real the hormones but yeah like (laughs) literally but you know like my parents were so well intended you know and i know that because they were so emotional about the decision that they were making right right now as we leave, it's like me and these two strangers have been hired <laughs> to take me, right? Because that's what these facilities recommend. They recommend that your parents don't take you, which is kind of funny. I don't know if it's because they don't want them to see the facility. I don't know if it's because I'm they... sure it's that. I'm sure yeah. it's that. I, I think also, you know, they don't want parents to like, no. quote unquote, go ahead really stupid irrelevant logistics question but that just like made me curious 
So are you saying your parents have to separately hire these people? It's third party. Yeah. And not only that, but they have to like. Like I've heard this story, but I always just assumed that the men worked for the facility. No, it was a married couple. It was a man and a woman. And they did not work for the facility. They came recommended by the facility. And my understanding, based on other people who have had parents who gave them access to work, not to say that mine wouldn't if I asked. I don't know if they would. It's kind of like a taboo topic in our house. We don't talk about it that much at this point. But point being, I know that some other people have been able to look over this paperwork. And the parents who give these people the authority to transport have to like sign over temporary guardianship to these people Mm. to do so which is like a very strange concept I guess because they're crossing state lines with a child that's not theirs I don't know right But but I mean and now obviously the situation is different but you I know you've sent your kids out of state with relatives that are not their guardians was that something that you had to do no and i mean i've never had to sign that type of paperwork i don't know like the why of it you know i wish i did if if somebody who understands more the why of that or has done research i mean obviously this is not sending your kid on vacation with their grandparents but i'm just saying like you know i don't know yeah and I, I really don't know the why of that either, but it is like a very common theme that we see with these types of the common phrasing for what we call them as like survivors in the industry is kidnap for hire, right? Because yeah. although legally it's permissible, your parents have given them the right to do this, the trauma of the experience registers as a kidnapping does that make sense you're no taken it makes perfect in, sense it's yeah, very kidnappy yeah you're like taken in the middle of the night by these strangers who are telling you you have to pee with the door open and um you know like everything is like all twilight zony and weird and you're traveling across state lines with these strangers and don't have access to call your parents or to what you know what i mean it's very it's strange (laughs) it's It's, yeah it's it's giving kidnapping um so anyway um we take a couple of planes um and i remember on one of the planes like in the final stretch the lady looking at me and saying you know you've been super compliant and like, I really hope that this goes well for you. And mm-hmm. we're going to put in a good word and just let them know that, like, you were really cooperative the whole time. And I was thinking, like, okay, like, I'm going into this with, like, a leg up. They know that, like, I'm not just some punk-ass kid. Like, I want the help. I want to get on my feet. You know, like... And, I mean, I've been saying for years, like, send me to boarding school. Put me in an all-girls school. I'm thinking, like, you know, I'm... So, at that point, you weren't thinking, like, 
well, if they had to put on in a good word for me, what would happen if they didn't? No, at this point, I'm thinking that this is going to be like, and this is going to sound so stupid, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm thinking that this is going to be like an all girls Zoe 101, but like with horses, though. That's that's what I think is going to happen. And I mean, of course, like they've mentioned that there's going to be therapy and stuff like that. But I'm thinking like, wow, what a great resource. Like, I'm not going to have yeah. the like I'm going to be with other girls who, you know, have their own stuff going on. Like, we're all there because we want to, like, get our shit together, like work on ourselves. Like, I'm going to make some friends maybe who have been through similar experiences maybe been bullied too and like you know make some connections like I was looking forward to like working on my my faith life I was looking forward to you know therapy with animals like I was very receptive you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. I I really saw this as an opportunity that could and I hate to say this because this is something that they would say but I thought this is going to change my life you know right and when I arrived at the ranch well I guess okay so we land right mm-hmm. and my kidnap for hire gang <laughs> transfers me over to Jerry and Angie Woodward who are the owners of the ranch I remember they had this big obnoxious yellow truck and I remember falling asleep on it and we like falling asleep in it rather and then when we get to the ranch it's just like and I'm asleep but it wakes me up because it's just all off-road right and we're driving for some time like on this just rocky back road and I'm thinking like wow this is pretty far out there, you know, because we'd already been mm-hmm. driving for like an hour and a half to, I don't even know, because uh, we flew into a weird airport too, like in Jackson Hole, so probably like two hours or so. And yeah, so then we get there and they hand me off to somebody in a Ranger truck, meaning like kind of like an off-roading type golf cart, you know, it's not like, like a golf a, cart. Golf okay, cart. like a Razor. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We called them, we called ours the Ranger or something like that. I don't know. It's been so long. But I was handed off to somebody in that we had to wear helmets and then we looked so fucking stupid. And we are taken up to, I say we, I'm taken up to, we call it Wash Cabin. And right away, I'm like berated by all of these rules. Like when you, want to enter a door you have to ask permission so I was like oh my gosh can can I go in the cabin you know you have to ask to do that and then I get in the cabin and I'm told to take off all my clothes I'm strip searched um which I was just not expecting I thought like this is boarding school not jail and they're giving me all of these like rules that they're rattling off telling me that I'm on level one there are six levels. I'm on level one. That's bottom of the barrel. I have to be within five feet of staff members at all times. I mean, list goes on and on and on and on and on, but there's quite quite a difference between 
each level. I would only be able to write letters to my parents on Sundays, not siblings, no phone calls, can't talk to the other girls, can't talk to the other girls, period. If I want to speak to any of the other girls, I need to ask a staff member permission Mm-hmm. And it needs to be something relevant. Like, can you pass me, blah, blah, blah. But we don't talk to talk. Okay. And, like, if we do talk, it's in, like, a group environment. No buddying up. You can't have friends here. You're here to work on yourself. Blah, 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 blah. So I go down to they, – they, like, drive me in this ranger thing down to the – we called it the steel barn. It was quite literally an oversized steel barn. And in the steel barn, a bunch of girls are sitting in a circle in camo pants, t-shirts that are like the sleeves are rolled up, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like tucked into themselves to kind of make the t-shirts tank tops. (laughs) This sounds so stupid, but like everybody just has like armpit hair on armpit hair. And I'm thinking, like, bro, what the fuck is going on? Now I'm like, I'm woke. I don't care. Like, your body, your choice. But the thing is, this was not their choice either. I'm like, okay, like, everybody is, like, in camo pants. Like, it smells like sweat. There's armpit hair everywhere. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> it, was just, it was just a weird vibe. And they're packing these oversized like backpacks, like hiking backpacks, you know, like the the big, big ones that go like over the shoulders and then you clip them around your waist, like parent trap on steroids, guys, okay? So Mm -hmm. they're packing all of these and I'm told that, you know, the girls are preparing for the annual hiking trip. I'm going to be going as well and that I was going to go and introduce myself to the girls. They were going to introduce themselves and we're going to start you know, getting me ready to go on a hiking trip. Mind you, it's July 11th of 2010 at this point, and my birthday is in nine days, so I'm still 15, not quite 16, and this is when I get to the ranch. So I go into the steel barn, and we do introductions, and I will never forget, there was one girl who said, you know, like, I'm so-and-so, I'm on level three, level three of six, okay? I'm mm-hmm. on level three, and I've been here for three years. And I literally was like, what? You're only on level three, and you've been here for three years? Which is obviously, like, not what you should say. You know what I mean? But right. I was, like, indignant. I was like, what the actual fuck is going on here? Like. You've been here for three years. You're halfway through the system. And, like, there was nobody. When I say nobody, like, nobody was there who was over a level three. There were, like, 20-something girls. I've been here two years. I've been here a year and a half. Nobody was like, I got here last Tuesday. You know what I mean? Everybody was like, I've been here a year and a half. I've been here two years. I've been here three years. And I'm thinking what the fuck have I gotten myself into? And it was at that moment that I decided that I would be going home, no matter the cost, if it meant getting myself kicked, whatever. I was like, 
a mistake has been made. Like, I'm not out here, like, doing meth. I haven't even had sex yet. Like, I'm, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I have shit that I need to work on. But I don't know what these girls have done to land them in three years. But it has to be something more than being angry and depressed, you know? Like, it has to be more than sneaking a boy in the house and kissing them. You know, I'm like, because this, me, it does not equal three plus years here. Like, it, it didn't even make sense. Like, I could not compute how they felt like I belonged here which is a very common response among the girls. And they'll tell you like, oh, you think you don't belong here, but you do. And blah, blah, blah. they give you a handbook, like an indoctrination handbook. You probably think that you don't belong here, but right now you're just looking at the tip of the iceberg and, you know, we're going to look at the whole picture and basically saying like, you're indignant right now because you think you don't belong here. But you do, and we're going to prove to you how much you belong here. And they do that by that initial shock that would shock anybody of everybody being there so long, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the girl's natural response in most cases that I've seen is to act out because they don't want to be there. And it almost like makes them worse seem worse off than they are right because it's like a survival tactic almost that you you see everybody else here who seems like brainwashed they all talk the same they have the same mannerisms they you know have been here three years and aren't even halfway through the level system you're like that can't be me you know um And so when I went on this hike, which we left on the next morning, I was bound and determined to get myself sent home. I was like under 100 pounds, super underweight, not because I wasn't fed, but because I was on medication that just made me like sickly, like antidepressants that made me lose a lot of weight and stuff. And my pack weighed about as much as I did. Some of these girls have been there for years, and they have been, like, aggressively getting fit, right, at this place. They're they're super fit, and I am not that. So, already I'm at a, a disadvantage, and it's really not safe for me to be joining the people on this hike. I'm coming from below sea level mm-hmm. to a very high altitude. Right. I'm underweight being handed a pack that's as heavy as I am <laughs> and being told oh given you know secondhand shoes and my ankles are like these frail little bird feet you know and being told okay go do what the other girls who've been here for three years are doing and I couldn't keep up not only could I not keep up But I didn't want to keep up. You know, I was bound and determined to slow things down as much as possible and get myself sent back home. That that was my hope for this hiking trip. Now, that said, we're already, like, 
I know that we had like a little bit of banter at the beginning. We always try to put a little banter at the beginning that we edit out so that if our recordings get cut off, like we can, we have leeway, you know, but this audio strip is coming up on about an hour right now. I knew this would probably turn into a multi-parter. So that's what we're going to do. This this is going to be the end of part one. And in the next episode, we're going to talk about finishing out the hiking trip. We're going to talk about returning to life at the ranch and my time there. I was there for two years, two weeks, weeks and, and two days. Two days. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the level system. We're going to talk about some of the challenges that's what they called them they called them challenges so they wouldn't have to call them physical and emotional abuse and psychological (laughs) abuse but we're going to talk about some of the abuse strategies and what brainwashing in a cult looks like this episode really just set the tone for Mm -hmm. where i ended up yeah we haven't even scratched the surface this is just the tip of the iceberg ladies yeah um, I so feel like I've heard so many of these stories, but I've never sat down and heard the whole story all in one sitting. Yeah, this and I mean, like... that's true, probably, because I never sit down and give it start to finish in this much detail. Even when I've done podcasts in the past or when I've done, like, as a guest, like a guest speaker, because think about it, when you're a guest speaker, you have an hour, hour and a half, right? But this is our damn show and I have as long as I fucking want. So I don't have to limit myself. I think that's part of why I got emotional earlier is because I never quite go into this much detail. Yeah. If that makes sense. Or like recount it this thoroughly step by step. No, so, you usually don't. You're just kind of like, oh, remember that one time at the cult? Ha ha. Yeah, when that I was tied to a goat for like six months, <laughs> or when I had to live behind a stove, lol. <laughs> and everybody's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about more of that on our next episode. Patreons specifically for you. I usually, when we have a two-parter, right, you guys get it right away. It's going to be a little different for this one, guys, because usually when you're getting a two-parter, right, or a multi-parter, because I don't know how many parts this is going to be. But when you're getting a multi-parter, you're getting something that we've outlined all in one shebang, and we're recording it all in one go, editing it, etc. Because this is a different situation, we're not outlining, right? I'm, like, spending emotional energy personally recounting my actual trauma we're spacing out the recording a little bit to give me some time to recover from the last recording if that makes sense so this is going to be something where you're still going to get it early you're going to get it on fridays but this is the exception to the rule of multi-parters being readily available to patreons right away this won't be because it's not recorded yet i need some time before we get into the next one just so that you guys are aware of why it's happening this way this time only yeah yeah okay great well um it was not a good time but it was a time (laughs) i hope that you guys are at least um you know getting something from from this
Maybe yeah. just don't send your kids places like these. It's nothing no, else. really don't. And just from my personal experience, I have seen like in different Facebook groups, like Reddit forums, things like that, parents actively, I guess, preparing to send their kids away to very similar facilities because there's a lot of these not just the one that lj was sent to there's quite a number of these um, yeah there's a lot a lot of them have been shut down which is great but a lot of them haven't right um And and if it weren't for my relationship with lj and hearing her tell you know these stories over the past five years I would not have the knowledge to say, hey, you're sending your kid to a torture camp. Yeah. And that's because, like, the really way what bro- it was. The way these, like, brochures and, like, things are made, you know, if if you don't hear these stories, if you're not aware of what is the troubled teen industry... I could very easily see where you would have no concept of what you're sending your kid away to. So, right. You know, just because through- on paper, on paper, guys, it looks like horse camp with therapy. That's the yeah. thing is like, and that's why like so many people, they hear about things like this and they're like, well, fuck your parents. Like they knew what they were doing. Bro. No, they didn't. They quite literally did not. They did yeah. not. Yeah, and it's so important because I've seen, you know, I've seen kids be saved from being sent away to places like this all because a survivor told their story and somebody saw it on TikTok or YouTube or whatever the case may be. Right. You know what I mean? Not even not even like they directly have a close friend that was affected by this or they were directly affected by it themselves, but just because they saw it on a podcast or they saw it on social media or whatever. You know, if we can save one, I mean, hopefully more kids, but if we can save one kid, I think, you know. And I have had people reach out in the past because of testimony that I've shared about my experience saying that they were going to send their kid to a program but didn't or that they had their kid in a program and pulled them and that is why this is worth it to me. This is not like some clout chasing or whatever. Like I really try not to even think about it most of the time, you mm-hmm. know, like I I really just try to like not let it be at the forefront, especially since my husband died, which we'll get into that later and how he relates to this experience. But it's not something that I like to ferment in like it took Mm -hmm. too much of my life so I don't like to keep my head space there you fermented in it for a long time I did I did and it took a lot to yeah when we first met it was I don't want to say it was your whole personality but I mean it was it was quote-unquote my brand right because I at the time had realized that it was the first time in my life where I was able to assign 
the appropriate verbiage to my experience. It took me a long time to sort through what I went through. I knew that the things that happened to me were bad. I knew that they were wrong. But it wasn't until that time in my life, around when I connected with my husband and, like, you know, started talking to him, that I was able to assign the actual words to this situation that fit, which were child abuse, cult, brainwashing, things like that. And Mm -hmm. because of that, I had a blog that ended up blowing up and being very successful at the time. And everybody wanted to know everything about my experience. And also, I was in the process where I just filed a criminal report. And we'll get into more of that later. But anyway, there were legal proceedings and things like that around this time that were all encompassing of my life. And because it was so consuming, it was really at the forefront of my identity. And if nothing else, my relationship with my husband and with my husband's family really healed that part of my life, which is why I don't like going back there. But I also realize and acknowledge that if I go back there right now and record a few hours worth of content for this podcast, that it could reach some people and resonate with some who have had experiences that are similar, maybe resonate with some who have children who, you know, they're having difficulties with and are deciding how best to handle it. Maybe they don't have the information about these types of programs. And if taking a few hours of my time to recount my experience resonates with some people out there, then, you know, what I don't have to go back there again until I want to. And hopefully there's some impact that's lasting because once it's recorded, it's there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Well, I guess that we're going to call that part one. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to table this and we'll catch you guys on part two. Catch you on the cult side. (laughs) Yeet. (laughs) 